Welcome back to Emotions and Potions. This is a love slash hate letter to Scarred Part 2. Part Dose with Ashton and Alex. Hi, how are ya? Because this was a long one. We needed to make it two episodes. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of shit going on in this book. And it needed two episodes. So we're going to just jump. So let's get right back right into, into the conversations. It. Let's do it. Enjoy. So we got more lies and not the full truth happening. Right. Because now the narrative has changed. It wasn't Michael. It's the Rebel King. So now we have to go after the Rebel King. Which is our boy Tristan. Which is our boy Tristan. But obviously Sarah does not know this. No one knows this. They still do not know who the Rebel King is. Yes. We as readers know it's Tristan. Yes. No one else does. Nobody else. Besides other Rebels. Mm Mm-hmm. And the rebels find out about it. And you know, Sarah mm. is very about the people. So like, she wants to be on the front lines. Yes. She wants to be meeting the people of the kingdom. She wants to be helping as much as she can. That's the type of person her- she is, where Michael is the complete opposite. Because Michael doesn't care about the people. And then also because of the attacks on the royal family. Calling someone, you know... Who's poor? A derogatory term. Right. They're going to stick out. Sarah sees one. And it's it's a a little little boy. boy. And Sarah being a queen of the people. Like they make eye contact. Yes. And he has like a cleft chin, right? A cleft lip. Cleft cleft lip, sorry. So she goes up to him. um, But it is soon realized that this boy. a kind of a staged attack yeah from the rebels on like meant for sarah mm-hmm because is it is it kind of like bombs that go off or is it shooting is it a shooting. gun is it a gun yeah okay sadly it's heartbreak time our beloved timothy sarah's guard and timon's representative or yeah. whatever and representation. And working on trying to get Timothy to be her bestie. He dies saving her. And he tells her that, like, he volunteered to be her guard. He wanted to protect her. Like, he wanted to protect her. Because he saw. And he, and he did. And he died doing what he wanted to do. I was emotionally wrecked by this. As was I. And wanted to throw things. Yes. Because first of all, Timon don't die. Exactly. And um, <laughs> Timon and Pumbaa have, have spinoff series, y'all. Like, not going to get that anymore. <laughs> and the fact that Paul and Timothy are lovers, it broke my heart knowing that Paul is now lost his significant other. And Sarah's devastated by this loss. Because, again, she was working on Timothy, like, becoming her bestie. And she feels guilty that she didn't listen. Mm-hmm. And she thinks it's her fault. It kind of is her fault. Loki is. I understand where she's coming from, but girl. I'm, I'm not bitter. It's her fault. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she did bring this. If she hadn't approached the boy, I understand why she did it. I understand that that is kind of in her character and that is kind of what I would expect from her. It is. But, but I wish she didn't. I wish she could just 
hold in those impulses because poor Why? Timothy literally died on the street in her arms as she is trying to like hold the blood, like pressing down on the bullet wound. Like try, yeah, trying to trying, put like, on it to stop it from bleeding. So hysterically crying, hysterically calling for help, but it's not. And like, it's tough because he dies like in her arms. Yeah, like it was a tough. She even like she makes the comment of like when she knows that Timothy his his soul his essence has left oh. his body. Yeah. So yeah, very heartbreaking. Um, that it ruined me for a little bit, but. We do get paid back in kind by our lovely author. We finally. Because our girl Sarah's in bed crying her eyes out. She's emotionally just a wreck. She's heartbroken. She's heartbroken. She feels lonely because Sheena's kind of abandoned her. She's all alone. She just got someone killed who was a friend who she had a bond with. In what? Tristan. So Tristan obviously comes in through a secret passage because why not? She's in bed. She's crying. She hears him before she, she sees him. She feels the mattress dick. Hmm. He comes and consoles her. And I love in this, it's it's um Sarah's point of view. And I love when she is like, when he comes and gets on the bed and he like, cuddles her so mm-hmm. he wraps around and it's like his tattooed arm and i was just like yes. i'm just like yes tattoos thank you thank you thank you thank you yes. like mention that as many times as you need to <laughs> and tristan he starts to provide comfort he does he does and by comfort yes emotionally comforting her thank you love a man who will do that right but also his dick. <laughs> yes, we've finally reached our first full scene sex scene. Enter the sex scene, finally. And this is a great sex scene. It's the perfect length. It has the, the buildup. The is worth it. Yes, it and has the buildup and... Tension. Will they? Won't, won't they? they? <laughs> Oh, they will. They will. And they do. I do have to rant a little bit about it, though. Okay. Because the sex scene does have the thing that I don't like. Which is? The virgin trope. You don't like a virgin trope? No. And why is that? I just, I don't like it. I don't don't like it. I don't like it. Do I need to say any more? I just don't like it. (laughs) No is a complete sentence. (laughs) No, period. I don't like it. Period. (laughs) And I think it's, I don't mind when they mention that someone's a virgin where it's just kind of glossed over, but it's, it's where it's harped on because Tristan does start to harp on her about, are you a virgin? Because I kind of, uh, how I interpret this scene is that I kind of thought that he was asking, are you a virgin as borderline a question of like am i gonna hurt you type of thing but then when she admits that she is a virgin it kind of takes the that like oh i need to like i need to he still has primal lust for her and goes at her and wants to hurt her right right it's a possessive now i do understand 
why virginity is important because of like again we're in like nobility royal stuff so like purity is important when you're making these marriage alliances so it's like i i get why it was used so it's kind of like my god complex yeah i understand why it was used i just don't like it i just you just don't like it fair enough fair enough i mean i definitely don't love and he talks about you being blood on the sheets and it's just like why 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 we gonna, why why we gonna harp on this we don't like it right right but all in all even though it has that like virgin the sex is still hot it's still a very good scene um and like emily does not disappoint she writes a sex scene very well yes because i like when a first sex scene is like the most detailed i feel like the first sex scene in a book should be the best. And it is very detailed, which is why I feel like because it does involve the virginity speak, I really start to take issue with that, those parts of it. But you take those sentences out and it's still it's a good. great right. scene. So if right. you don't like the virginity trope, kind of ignore those parts. Because it's brief. Mm-hmm. It, there are just like brief mentions here and there. And it's not like back-to-back sentences on right. it. It's like... A sentence, some more stuff, maybe another one, some more stuff. Like, it does get broken up. And he I does agree. say something about breeding. Like, ugh, Yeah, he more. does. There, it was an inner monologue where he was like, I want I to breed, breed her. her. Gross. But lions. Yeah, again, I get it. I don't like that term either, though. Like, breeding someone just does not sound great. No. I don't, I'm not a fan of that either. Because then it, like, it starts to make Sarah an object versus, like, his actual, like, person. Right. Person thing. Right. That's where I have an issue with it. Yeah. He's just so wrapped up in his, like, obsession possession that he's thinking crazy things. Yes. (laughs) So there's my rant. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. But at this point, we have solidified them as a couple. Yes. It's a secret couple because yes. she is still engaged to Michael. Right. But they finally give in to each other and it's... They admit that they're... They have like that uh, say I'm yours or yes. say you're mine. So what I like about this scene and this these chapters so much is that I am a fan of a when it's a dual perspective romance. When a sex scene carries over from one person's point of view to another person's point of view and that is exactly what happens which also makes the scene just longer Mm -hmm. which i also love because i read romance novels for a reason people give me all the smut thank you and let me read the emotional connection of sex yes and you get that from the female perspective and, and the I male. Love that we get it from the male perspective. Yes, because so the first portion of this of this like scene is in Sarah's point of view. So Tristan, um, at the end of her chapter, he says something like "You're mine," like marking her as his. Mm-hmm. And her response is she just says "Yours," and then that's how that chapter ends. And the next chapter starts with Tristan's point of view, and like the first sentence or the first portion of that chapter is like. He was like, that one word, like, wrecked him. Yes. And it was, like, all he needed to really solidify. Sarah is going to be his queen. Yes. And I loved that 
you kind of got that dual perspective of that first scene because I do think that that first scene of like their sexual kind of romance or whatever is important. Mm -hmm. And I like that you see the emotional and like the vulnerability from both characters in the same scene. Yes. So I thought that that was very well done. Even though I have like my quirks with it as a whole, like it just, oh, it was still a very powerful moment for our main couple. Yes. And I'm here for it. Me too. As a whole, I give it a thumbs up. Just don't love the virgin stuff that's kind of thrown in there. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. After this, now we, we're going to start some more political games. Our heartbroken Paul mm-hmm. has joined the resistance. Sheena has kind of recruited him mm-hmm. and she brings him to one of their meetings, right? Yes. Because he brings food for everyone. Mm-hmm. The yes. rebels. And Tristan is making Michael think he's crazy and being haunted by his dead daddy. Yep. So Tristan has finally kind of put that into play mm-hmm. and is kind of really starting to hone in on Michael's hallucinations and work in that angle. Yeah. And we find out why Michael is like hallucinating his father and having like such issues. And it's cause Michael killed him. So pretty much Xander and the queen mother kind of put stuff in his ear in mm-hmm. Michael's ear and kind of manipulated him into slipping his father poison. And so Michael is the reason why their dad is dead, which makes sense. I hit that guilt. Yes. It's, it's manifesting and not in a good way. Nope. And Tristan is using it to his advantage. Right. Because Tristan knows that their father's death was Michael. He always suspected. And our girl, Sarah, she's, wanting to plot start her plot on figuring out who the rebel king is mm-hmm. because she found out rebel king aka tristan killed her dad mm-hmm. so sarah is going through some secret passages she's following sheena and paul and paul and she winds up at the elephant bones tavern and discovers that sheena ed and paul are rebels and guess who their leader is? Her love, Tristan. Dun, dun, dun. And of course, you know, he's there giving a spiel. Yes. He is, he's recruiting. He is being that. He is being the the king to the people. He is rallying the troops. Sarah sees how magnificent he is. But also but is who broken he hearted. is. <laughs> Because now she realizes she has to kill the man she loves. Yes, because he killed her father. And she also finds her cousin Xander in a cage in the bar. Yes. Oh, another thing that we did not mention. Xander's, what, ear or something was sent to court. Or finger. What was it? Hand. Was it a hand. whole hand? His whole hand. So I forgot about that. Part. They did. They did send um, Xander's hand 
to court to kind of be like, we got your boy and we're torturing him. So just for some background, like that's how, that's why um, Sarah's uncle knows the rebels have Xander and why they changed the narrative. Totally forgot about that part. There's yeah. so much to There's, this book. There really is like, this podcast is like so long and we're going into a lot of detail, but there's still so much that we skipped over. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's insane. Like this book just has so much going on. Yes. And Sarah, she's ready to go on a killing rampage at this point. So she, so she is, she's going to start with Tristan. Right. So she, when she's at the tavern, she's peeking in, she's in the back looking through like a crack and there's a point where Tristan finishes his speech and his eyes go to exactly where she is. And somehow he knows it's her. that she's there and it's her and he sees. And so as soon as their eyes connect, she freaking bails. She runs. But she comes after him. Yeah. And you got to think from Sarah's perspective, she feels completely betrayed by everybody because she sees her best friend Sheena there. Paul, who she's gotten really close with. Her lover. The person who literally just took her virginity. Yep. And then they have her family member. Right. And obviously, like, she's seen the hand. Mm-hmm. And he's in a cage. Yeah. Again, flashback to Zazu being in a cage. Yeah. Great parallel. <laughs> so she goes for Tristan's throat. Because, of course, our girl is packing daggers. Per usual. So she has this knife to Tristan's throat. And he's going to let her do it. Yep. He's kind of goading her into doing it. Because he comes to her quarters again, right? Or how does, where does, where does this happen? I don't remember. I can't remember either. I forgot that. I just remember there being a knife. Because I do remember him being like, if this is what you need to do, do it. Yeah. And she's struggling. And she's kind of like, why are you going to let me do this? And he's like, because I love you. And so with romance novels, you tend to go from zero to 100 really quick, where especially with em enemies to lovers, you tend to have a very quick uh, pivot. progression and pivot from enemies to lovers. So like Tristan literally comforts um, Sarah Obviously, they've had this buildup, right? But they're still, they were still kind of the enemies feeling each other out, whatever. Sarah goes through loss. He comforts her. They sleep together. And all of a sudden, he's like in love with her. Not realistic. Not something that I love that happens in romance novels, but something that I know happens. Mm -hmm. And this is a very common theme. It is. And I can forgive it a little bit more in this setting, too, because it is more fantasy. It is more fantasy. Like, it's set in a fake place, a made-up place. It's based off of a movie that's fake. Yes. And so, at the same time, I agree. Uh, it's not something where I'm very upset about going from really zero to 100 in, like, the love game. Um, but that's just something that you have to deal with with romances. Mm -hmm. That's just – it's the name of the game. So it isn't going to be realistic. Romance novels are not supposed to be realistic. They're fantasy in itself. Um, but I'm the type of person that I do like a realistic plot line. 
like timeline, not plot, but timeline. Um, but this doesn't really bother me. And the timeline on this isn't as bad as, as other, other books. books. Yeah, because I mean, there is a time jump of like almost a few, like a few weeks because it goes from her being in court for two weeks to being like at a month. Mm -hmm. So there is some decent time. So I feel like this is like probably what, like a three, four month time span that this is all happening. Probably. I think so. Which is still quick. It's still like, quick. But I've we've read books where it's like oh, days. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not mad at it. It's just something that you have to deal with mm -hmm. when you enjoy romance books. Especially dark ones. Especially the dark ones where you have characters who are questionable at best. Yes. Yeah. And then we do follow them back to the church. Back to the church we go. And time for some more sex. One thing I will say. In the church. Yes. One thing I will say about this, though, with Emily and her writing, is that the slow burn, the, bur the slow burn, the progression is really good leading up to that first real sex scene. Mm -hmm. What I like about a slow burn is if an author at that turning point where you finally have the love scene, if they just pack in the sexy scenes for that last 40, 30% of the book, mm -hmm. which she does. Oh, once they have once they have sex the first time you it is like stops them it's like almost every chapter that there is a not as in, not as long not yeah. as intense this one's another long one right but after this one i feel like they do get shorter yeah. but like she does pack them in so even though it is a slow burn where you go almost 70% of the book without having a real sex scene once you hit that she makes up for it yes she throws it in there's some sacrilegious things happening in this church. Yeah, let's hear about this scene. What's going on in this church? What? Is What's not going on in this church? Right <laughs> she gets taken on the dais. All right. Where, like, I feel this is kind of like, I get Catholic church vibes from this setup. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just do. Me too. That's kind of what like, I was picturing. Especially, like, it being very royal and grand and, like... Yeah. I just feel like it's... Like, like Roman Catholic. Yes. Like, those big cathedrals. I just feel like this is a beautiful Roman yeah. Catholic church with, like, the stage. <laughs> at, right. Like, for the pulpit and stuff. And... They are just... Sarah gets bent over where you would go to receive the body of Christ and um she's receiving the body of, uh, of Tristan <laughs> of her god <laughs> because he doesn't like when she goes oh my god during sex he goes um i'm your god i am the only person you will be named that you will be yelling Say in the throes of passion which is another you know worship god complex so i was like oh god but yeah yeah, it, it's a lot, <laughs> and you get two chapters of it because you you get the dual perspective here. There is something that gets said, which I do love this, especially in Enemies to Lovers, when the villain's like, "I will burn the world for you." Love it. Yeah, he he's gone to the point where he will do whatever it takes. 
And they're using sex as a way to kind of talk through this whole rebel king issue. Right, because she also obviously confronts him. And she says, I saw you. I know who you are. And he's like, I saw you. He's like, I know. And I saw you. I know who you know who I am. I know who you are. Kind of. Yeah. So this really (laughs) kind of cements them on the same page as now they're both team Let's Kill Michael. Yes. So now they have kind of, they've come to terms. Has it been revealed yet that he hasn't killed, that he didn't? He does reveal he didn't do it, but it's not revealed who actually killed her father. Okay, so the reason why Sarah's able to kind of get over this and they're able to come to this, like, truce and being on the same side is because Tristan swears to her that he had nothing to do with her father's death. And she believes him, right? Yes. So that's kind of like he promises that he did not kill her dad. And so that's kind of what is able to push Sarah past needing to kill him, needing to kill him and joining and his side. She realizes that the Fossa family as a whole is not horrible, that it really is Michael. Yes. So now they've kind of, they're on the same team finally. They finally have got over their miscommunication 80 percent into the book they're finally a united front and they're they're talking they're they're they finally kind of lay things on the table and they kind of get a better understanding of what the fuck is going on Mm -hmm. between like everything and with them but our united front of tristan and sarah who are gonna you know take over and lead the people a wrench gets thrown in their plans Yes. Because of a backstabbing bitch named Ophelia. Ophelia. No. This bitch. Yeah, she sucks. And you know what she did? Tell me. What did she do? So she's been hearing Sarah and Tristan banging around. Okay. Before this. She was also the other side of footsteps the night of the ball right so she saw what happened with right the creepy lord also before this happens michael and sarah have a public outing or something and he kisses her and tristan sees and he loses and he fucking loses his mind watching his brother kiss the person that is his so that night, Tristan does not come in Quiet. quietly or through the secret passages. And Sarah knows that he's going to be coming. She knows as soon as Michael kissed her, she's like, oh, my God, this is not going to end well. Tristan is right there. He's going to see this is a disaster. Mm-hmm. He storms in and just kind of like lays his claim, lays his claim. There's a sexy scene. It's not a full on sex scene. I don't think they actually have sex in this scene. It's a lot of like oral stuff. Um, But obviously like not being very quiet, not being very under the radar. No, he's, he's, yeah, he is just so upset and so in his feels. And territorial. And territorial that he fucks up. And Ophelia hears it. 
So Ophelia is a two-timing SOB. Because Ophelia has been fucking King Michael. So Ophelia is Michael's side piece. So Sarah wasn't wrong. It just wasn't Marisol. I think that she thought that Marisol probably was the two-timing maid or servant handmaiden. But it was Ophelia. It was Ophelia. And she was the nice one. And she takes all this information to Michael. Because she sees Tristan storm into Sarah's room at night. And obviously, she like probably puts her ear up to the door. She can hear the conversation. Mm -hmm. She hears them conspiring against Michael. Mm -hmm. Because they are literally talking about killing him. About poisoning him. And Sarah does try to go and seduce Michael so she can put some poison in his wine. So Michael and, sorry, Tristan and Sarah come up with this plot, this plan to do exactly. I forgot about this until this. Yes. So they came up with the plan where Sarah was going to poison Michael, kind of like Michael poisoned his dad. Obviously, this does not go as planned because of Ophelia. Because Michael is aware of the plan. So Ophelia pretty much tells Michael everything. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, your fiancé is fucking your brother, who you hate. And they're also conspiring to kill you so that Tristan can take the throne. Yep. With Sarah by his side. Mm Mm-hmm. Sarah gets taken to the dungeons. Yes. So it failed. It it failed. It failed epically. It, yep. It blew up in their face because Sarah didn't realize that they were no longer under the radar. Michael now knows. Obviously, she does not know this. Mm-hmm. So she tries to poison him, and he makes her drink it. Yeah, so she's, like, doped up, gets taken to the dungeons, and Michael starts torturing Tristan. And this is where we find out how Tristan got his scar because Michael starts torturing him the same way by putting like the hot poker in the fire and like yeah so Michael was the reason why Tristan had the scar when they were younger um Tristan was artistic so he always had his sketch pad that was kind of his outlook outlet and Michael being Michael being a dick I think like took it away and Tristan kind of like stood up to him And Michael did not like that, so he took a fire poker and branded um, Tristan's face. Mm -hmm. And another thing that we hadn't mentioned, Tristan and their dad, so King Michael II, are – like, they look look identical. And Michael looks like his mother. And Michael takes after his mom. So Tristan is like a spitting image, like a younger image of their dad. So there's obviously some, like, familial drama between, like, these brothers. Like, they both have issues with each other. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it stems from, like, childhood and everything. And it's just a whole mess. It's it's a whole lot. It's a whole mess. And while Tristan is getting tortured, our girl Marisol – Reveals herself. Plot twist. She's actually a rebel. So I love this because 
I really was not expecting the two handmaidens to be these roles. And And I love a plot twist. Yeah, so good. And she frees Sarah from the dungeon. And they make their way to the Elephant Bones Tavern to try to stage a little mini revolution. A little coop. A little coop. And Sarah has to kind of take on the queenly role and rally the troops around her on behalf of Tristan. Because Tristan is still being held prisoner. Mm -hmm. So Sarah takes it upon herself. She needs to rescue her mans. Yes. She needs to rescue Tristan and she needs to kill Michael. Mm -hmm. So they get some of the rebels on board and they storm the castle through the secret tunnels the secret passages has kind of expected this to happen and has his army coming for them. Okay. Also though, didn't part of Tristan's manipulating, convincing Michael that he's also seeing their dead father. Didn't he also get Michael to send majority of their army away? Yeah. So there's like a little army still. But the big army, the big army has been shipped out. Yeah. So Tristan has has played his cards well enough that. This could work. But unfortunately it's not going to. Right. But they, they still don't have enough um, guards for. To completely shut it down. Yes. Like majority of the army is across their kingdom mm-hmm. because Tristan tricked. Michael into sending the army away. Yes. But unfortunately, Simon has hidden himself in the secret passages. Yes. But Sarah does get to Tristan mm-hmm. and convinces Tristan to save Simon because Tristan knows the passages better than anybody. Mm-hmm. And Tristan has another little plan. That he gets Paul in on to take Simon out of the kingdom. Yes. So Tristan goes back into the tunnels to rescue Simon and gets Paul to whisk him away. Yes. And be his protector and like guardian and take care of him. Because Simon's mom died in the tunnels. Mm -hmm. During this little thing. And obviously Michael. Yeah, yeah, right. And Michael would probably kill Simon in a heartbeat. <laughs> yes. No remorse. Mm-mm. So this little mini coup that um, Sarah set up has kind of failed. And she gets captured again by Michael and chained up. And they're in his office and her uncle's there. That it was actually her uncle who killed her father. Because her uncle wanted the throne. And he saw an opportunity to use, her. to use her against the king and the kingdom by putting blame on them for their father's death or her father's death when really it was And then he was going to sacrifice her because clearly really she wouldn't be able to kill Tristan and Michael and get away with she it. She would have been the scapegoat. And she would have been taken away, and Uncle Raph would have just... And Xander would have been free to rule. They would have just showed up. Shitty. Shady. Not here for it. Take that somewhere else. 
But Sarah gets her revenge. She does. But also, meanwhile, Tristan was able to get out, but he ain't happy. Is captured again. Captured again. So, (laughs) recap real quick. Sarah and Tristan, both prisoners. Sarah escapes. Sarah comes back, rescues Tristan, becomes a prisoner again, and Tristan is now the free man. (laughs) So now it's time for Tristan to save Sarah. She hasn't needed saving this entire time. But she's in the dungeon. But, you know. She she needs some saving right now, I think. It's okay for him to step up here. Yeah. So Tristan begins setting fires to the kingdom. Legit, like, these, like, fires that do not get put out with water. I think they were, like, oil fires or something. Isn't there a certain type of fire that, like, a? I thought it was an oil fire. It was an ethanol fire. Ethanol. Okay. Which means that it's it burns for a long time. And it burns quickly. It's hot, it's quick, and it's very hard to put out. Put out. And so he goes, I'm going to burn this whole place down. He's like, Just like I, he told Sarah he I told her I would. I wasn't bluffing. So he sets these fires, and it lures Michael out, and he brings Sarah with him. Mm-hmm. There's an ex- like a verbal exchange, and then Michael starts to run. Because at the end of the day, Michael is a coward. Because there was a flip where Michael realizes, oh, shit, I'm going to lose this. Because Tristan has his whole army, Mm -hmm. and Michael does not. And the tables have turned. Yes. The tides have turned. Because he also – so Tristan, the great thing about Tristan is he is so smart. He looks at every angle. He He got plan A he freaking got edward to start slowly flipping the guards Mm -hmm. where at this standoff where michael comes with sarah and tristan is you know confronting him he's like guards guards sees them and everyone just no one obeys everyone is just standing there and it it's then you realize tristan was able to convince the royal guard to follow him. To follow the rebel king. And so that is why Michael fucking runs. He runs. And where does he run? The cliffs. Cue wonderful Lion King parallels and dialogue here. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Because obviously there's a confrontation between the two brothers mm-hmm. where Michael ends up falling over the cliff and he is hanging on yep. for dear life as he is begging Tristan to save him. Brother, save me. Brother, save me. And Tristan does not. Long live the king. (laughs) I'm the king, bitch. And so the ending, it was that ending that like was beautiful. I mean, I was expecting it. The rebels win. Yes, I was expecting um, Tristan and Michael to go down like that because it has to. Like, Mufasa has to be killed by Scar by falling off of some type of cliff. Like, if they didn't do that, I would have been mad. Right. I So I knew it was coming, but I still thought it was very, very well executed. And I didn't know when it would happen. I didn't know how. So this, like, the payoff was really good. Like, yes. I thought that this was a beautifully crafted. And again, it's another point where it could have gone cheesy. Yeah. And ruined it. 
did not. But it didn't. No. So fine. So Michael has died. Mm-hmm. Scar Tristan is now the king. Is now the king with Sarah as his queen. as his queen. Cue the most beautiful epilogue mm. and the best way this book could end. So it's like flash forward eight years. The kingdom has been rebuilt. And Tristan decides it's time for him to retire so he can continue to fuck Sarah <laughs> without consequence or interruptions. So he's in, he's enjoyed their reign and mm-hmm. so has Sarah. But he wants a peaceful life and just to enjoy her. And Sarah, who now has a tattoo that says Tristan's property on her inner thigh. Love it. <laughs> That he drew and then tatted himself. Yep. Has announcement for the people. So yes, they've they've called in all of the court, their people, and Tristan is giving a spiel. And he lets the people know he is stepping down. And he brings out to crown the rightful king, Simon. And so Simon and fucking Paul come out. Simon's like 18. So he's about and he's 10. He's tatted now. He's tatted. As an homage to his true father figure, Tristan. Yep. And I think one of the last lines is like, I think that he says something about like the true king. Yes. Like Simon is the one, the real, the one true. real true king. Oh, it was so good. And I have to say, so I saw the Michael Tristan showdown coming. Mm-hmm. I did not see this epilogue. No. And I was living for it. I got kind of emotional. I'm not going to lie. I did too. I was just like, this is so full circle. Yeah, I just thought that it wrapped up extremely well. And I really like it. The end. The end. Oh, it was such a good book. It was so good. So good. Okay. So now that we've kind of um, dissected the plot, dissected the plot, kind of talked about um, a lot of the main plot points, a lot of the action, a lot of just the good parts of of the book. Um, we're gonna kind of transition into our next segment, which we're just briefly gonna pick the top three things that we love or that we hated about this book. So I'll go first with my first thing, if that's all right. Of course. So I think one of the things that I loved the most was everything. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, I just like, there's so much good things. Um, So I think just for me personally, when I'm looking at a romance book, I love banter i love witty banter same between the two main characters and i just felt that this book did such a good job at giving me that like the banter between sarah and tristan throughout the entire book was just fantastic and it was just something that i really really loved about it yeah they had great bands yeah 
close one of our favorite uh, six people. Yes. You got good bats. You got good bats. That's not British. That just sounds really stupid. Okay. <laughs> what's your number one? Or what's one of the things that you loved or hated? I loved the dynamic of Tristan and Simon. Yes. Yes. And I, I'm going to say my second is that I love the relationship between – we didn't really talk about it because there's just so much to talk about. The relationship between Simon and Sarah. Yes. We didn't really go into that. Um, they but have like, a cute little – Yes. They have, they have cute banter. They kind of have a cute little arc. So if you do decide – like if you read the books – you Hopefully will... you've already read it since we've spoiled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. But if you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't read the book, then if you're on it's the a fence surprise. And we swayed you to read it. There's still more stuff you can get. Yeah. Out. Yeah. But I really liked their relationship as well. With Tristan. Yeah. yeah, I know. What's your second love or hate? Well, I think we established my hate was the virgin truck. Yes. I just, ugh. It's it's a preference thing, and it's not mine. So that just me. Yeah, I definitely understand that. Um, and my last kind of – I'm actually going to go with a hate for my last one as well. My hate is Timothy's death. Yeah, I can agree with that. I really hated that. I hated it. It brought a lot of good. Like, it brought – um sarah and tristan together mm -hmm. but besides that like i hated it I, I i know it was kind of necessary for the plot but i don't want timon to die i want timon and pumbaa and simon to be living happily ever after that would have been nice yeah so that was something that like i was just like <laughs> i have something i wish we got more of okay what's that we got a lot of backstory with like Tristan and Michael's upbringing and their animosity and hatred of each other. But I felt like the stuff with Sarah's dad's death got kind of glossed over pretty quickly. Right. When that's such an integral piece of why she's here. Right. And doing what she's doing. That's true. Cause you don't really, yeah, it's kind of not very detailed. Also. So what, whose side was Xander on? What, what was his deal? Xander was aligned with his dad. He was. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Again, I, it's kind of confusing. It's like so that, brief. Yeah, that you kind of don't know. And that's where I – something I wish I could change is if that dynamic of Sarah's family was done up a little bit more like it was within the Fossa family. Because, like, we Fair point. totally understood where everybody in the Fossa family stood with each other. Right. That's very true. Sarah's father's murder is very briefly covered, yeah. where we don't really know a whole lot. It gets mentioned a lot, but it's just very briefly vague, vague and not a whole lot of details get added. So I just I, – I wanted a little bit more with that. I definitely – I definitely feel that. I can – I can – now that you say it, I want – I do want more of that. I didn't think about it when I was reading, but now I'm like, yeah, you're right. I wish that it was – a, and it doesn't have to be anything crazy. No, but I feel like maybe 20 more pages yeah. could have been given to – throughout Fill in that those yeah. gaps of her family. Yeah. Yeah, I like that because I also like 
it kind of was glossed over with Xander. I kind of got the feeling that he was like middle aged mm-hmm. because he's an advisor. He was an advisor for. So I feel like Xander probably would have been the one to actually get the crown. If right. Ro- if Uncle Roth's plan worked out. Right. Yeah, I think so, too. That's a good point. I do. I, I, I would appreciate a little bit more detail on that on that fact. That was a good good point. Some Especially when like Sarah starts to get sus about Xander. It's like we could have since it's only since the book is written from Sarah and Tristan's perspective, she could have done some spying on Xander right. to kind of get more of that background right. with the family dynamic stuff. That's true. But at the same time, there is just so much already going on that I understand how that kind of slipped and like yeah. how it wasn't just because there is already so much plot, so much detail, so much. Yeah, like it, it doesn't ruin the book for me by any means, but it's just one of those things. You just wish you had a little. All right, so now that we've kind of talked about loves and hates for the plot, let's get into the spice. Let's talk about smut, baby. Let's talk about Tristan and Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Remix. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite tension moment since 60% of this book is tension? <laughs> and then finally, what's your favorite, like, actual sexy time? Okay. So my favorite tension scene, I think, is the um, Tristan point of view when they're at dinner when he is like kind of low-key feeling her up in front of everyone i just really love how michael has no idea no one does but the two of them they're in public like i love those types of tension scenes where it's like that forbidden love when they're like they're just pushing it like they're risking it like they're asking they're asking to get caught and i know not this scene was very brief not a lot really comes out of it because it, it is just a very brief hand, like, groping situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. For something about – I just I just really – I liked I liked that, that scene a lot. That um, was a good one. Yeah, and I also like that it ends with, like, a murder. Like – Because – It has everything. It has everything. It has pin me up against the wall. Mm-hmm. Dirty talk. Dirty talking, a little bit of choking. The wax. The wax. Oh my goodness. Temperature play. And then that hot and cold where he just then dips. Dips. And then she's almost left. It's almost like an edging thing. Right. A little bit. Because it's like she wants it, but he's not. Oh, yeah. She was right on, on edge and he leaves her wanting more. Yes. But he leaves, but he does it because he's pissed at his own thoughts. Yeah. He's in his own head and. Yeah. But no, that was my second. So I'm glad that 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 was was your first. Because that was a good tension-y scene. That scene did things to me. It did things to me too. Their first time. I know that you don't like potentially the first time because of the virgin stuff. Mm -hmm. But I. I get why other people would like it. Yeah. I just liked it because I felt like it was a good length. There was a, a good amount of detail. It didn't like end very like suddenly. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but in that scene, they also so he before they actually do the deed, 
they're like doing their foreplay so she's probably naked at this point like Mm -hmm. they're whatever he like gets up from the bed and goes over and grabs another candle and does more wax in this scene so that's something that we didn't mention when we were talking about this with our plot um but he he brings in that wax again i like i just that i just i like that passionate like the passion that they they bring and i also i'm a sucker for when they finally just give in Mm -hmm. when they finally just say fuck it fuck me (laughs) yes like you know what i mean so it was the first one i waited a long ass time i read 200 pages to get to this point the book edged us and it it didn't disappoint so i think that's that's gonna be my favorite what's yours so mine's the scene in the church okay fair enough close second the church sex scene i'm close second I'm a horrible Catholic. (laughs) No, that was a great scene. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It just, the, everything about it was just kind of like the taboo things that happened, the inappropriate place, doing the inappropriate thing. The miscommunication is gone. They finally, right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So good. So bad, but so good. So good. And then kind of going off of this, talking about like the spicy stuff. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this book had a lot of like kinks, had a lot of tropes. So let's kind of discuss things that we liked and what we didn't. I know that we, for me, obviously the God complex thing, the God kink worship thing, not for me. You obviously also virgin. Yeah, because like the God complex thing can get irritating but it doesn't bother me like it does you right where i feel like then the version thing doesn't bother you like it does me right would those would you say that that would be the really the only thing that you like kink wise that because i everything else was fine the only thing that i didn't like was the like god complex yeah there's definitely more kinks in this book oh yeah but ones that you didn't like those are the only two that i would like that i have comments right okay so now that we talked about the kinks that we didn't like um the things that i enjoyed temperature play temperature play with the wax yes light choking he always kind of has his hand Mm -hmm. near her throat here for it that dominant male role here for it love that check dirty talk check check sexual innuendos all of it. Light pain. I could have gone with more pain, but that's me. <laughs> give me pain. <laughs> give me some give pleasure me, with my pain. Give me some pleasure with my pain or give me death. Um, Pet names. I thought the pet names were really good in this book. In this book, it was good. I don't always like that here. Here it worked. Yeah. And then the forbidden romance, the enemies to lovers. I know that's not like a kink, but like – I just I'm I'm a fan of the f- forbidden a little bit of enemies. blood play, a little bit. We're just like biting the lip. He does like to bite her lip and then make her bleed and then yeah it. yeah and she does it to him yeah and he like has like thoughts about other things that don't really ever play out but like he definitely into some 
like he's into a blood king. He's definitely into a lot of things. Okay, so I am so excited about this next kind of segment that we're going to be doing when we're talking about like any type of romance book or book in general, which is who would you cast? Casting calls. We want to cast the main characters. Yes. So we've decided that we're going to cast Michael, Tristan, and Sarah. Yes. So I'm dying to know, Ashton, who are your picks? Okay. So what I think we decided is that we could do up to top three. I have one for each. You have one for each. Yeah. Oh, shit. I have three for each. So you go first. Give okay. me your three. Okay, I'm going to go with Michael first because he's my least favorite. So you already know this. I actually put two more down for this character, though. So for Michael, I chose my number one, Chris Hemsworth. The big, bulky, the kind of dirty blonde hair. Plus, I feel like Chris Hemsworth could play the, like, cocky, douchey king. I can see Really it. well. Aesthetically, like, he's the brawn. Yeah. He's the muscle. I'm not mad at it. My other choice for that character is Chris Evans. Really? Buffed up a little bit, I think. I think that he could potentially be a real, like, a good Michael. Aesthetically, I see it. It would be a different role for him. It would. It's the demeanor I don't see. He's an actor. But he could probably. That's what they do. They act. (laughs) (laughs) And my last one, Tom Hardy. So I went really big with Michael. Like, I went A-list. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I mean, I did too, though. Okay, so who who's your number one? Okay, so my I only have one option. <laughs> well, we don't need six, so <laughs> we have four. <laughs> my Michael is Michael Fassbender. Ooh. Okay. Okay, I think all of those. I think any one of those could portray Michael really well. Yes. Aesthetically. And acting. Now, who's your Tristan? Okay. So I have three again. All right. These are in no particular order because I really don't know my order. I don't know who I'm feeling. I have Ben Barnes. So he's from Narnia. Like, he was in Narnia. He's in The Bones, Ashes to Bones. Shadow and Bone. Shadow and Bone on Netflix. He's more of like a um, lean build, the dark hair. The only thing that I don't think matches with the character description is that Tristan is more pale. Mm-hmm. Like they, they make references to him being like white, like pale. Whereas Ben Barnes is not like a pale complexion. He has more of I a can forgive that for that choice though. Well, right. <laughs> but that's the only, I just want to make it, you know, that it's not a perfect, whatever. My second, I had Penn Badgley because He's played the serial killer in you, and he does it so good. And he has the complexion. He has the build. He has the dark hair. And I just feel like he is – I could not see this character – or sorry, I could not see this person playing this role with one of the guys who I chose for Michael. Okay. That's the only thing. So I would have to recast Michael if this is someone who I would actually go with. Cole Sprouse with dark hair. Interesting. Like, um, kind of his vibe from like Riverdale. Yeah. Okay. 
That's an unexpected one. Yeah. But do you see that I would have to recast? Like, I couldn't have yeah. Chris Hemsworth play Cole Sprout's brother. No. Like, Especially since they're, like, what, like, th- only three years in age difference or something? Yeah. But, yeah, who's yours, though? Okay, so basically you were reading my mind with Tristan. <laughs> really? Yes. So, um, I picked Ben Barnes. Okay. I was also kind of having Penn Badgley as a contender. But then me being super sold on Michael Fassbender as Michael, I was like Ben Barnes and him as brothers. Cause again, they both have like the British accents. And like I could see that dynamic. Okay. As yeah. Brothers. Um so he won out over Penn. Okay. But he was he was a contender. Okay. So you were reading my mind. <laughs> cool. Yeah. No, I I kind of like Cole. And he was my last one that I like found where I was like. All right. Okay. Who's your Sarah? <clears throat> so my Sarah, I went with more low-key actresses mm-hmm. for her. So I picked three again. And I don't know how to pronounce. I feel so bad. I don't know how to pronounce her last name because it's Greek. Um, but she played Octavia in the 100. Maria, her last name starts with an A. It's like Averopoulosu. Okay, I know who you're talking about. I don't, I, that was so butchered. And I, <laughs> I apologize because I hate when people butcher my last name, but I suck at pronunciation. Um, she was my first choice or the first person that kind of popped in my head. The second is, her name is India um, Easley. She played the younger sister to Shaylee Woodley in Secrets of the American Teenager. Okay. So she's older now, obviously, and that yeah. shows she was like a preteen. Yeah, because I can only picture her young. I have a picture that I want to pull up for you so you can kind of get a better visual of her now. I'm not mad at that. Her hair is a little lighter than I was thinking, that um die job with right, easily right. taken care of. But like I think like pairing her up with like her and Cole ben, Sprouse. Cole or Penn. I feel like she would because yeah. she's older now. She's in her twenties, so she's not it's not, you know, she's not a teenager. And then my third choice was Mackenzie Foy, who played Renezme from Breaking Dawn. Okay. So there's that first picture. That's a good choice. Right? That's a good – I like – yeah. Ones I didn't think about. I mean, ones that I like – yeah. I just, like, literally Googled actresses. Oh, but here's a – like, she – I mean, she's more of, like, the bombshell, I think, mm-hmm. Maria. Marie is more of, like, the potential, like – or a young Megan Fox – I didn't put that one down because we can't go back in time. Yeah. But, like, Megan Fox, like, 15 years ago would have been a, another one if she was that age. And I don't mind – with casting, I usually prefer when people age them up versus age them down. Same. So, yes. Yeah, so, my three would be Marie, India, and Mackenzie. So, my choice for Sarah, um, kind of a wild card. I want Zoe Kravitz. Ooh. Okay. Interesting. 
Why's that? What made you think of her? One, she's beautiful. Well, yeah. And I feel like she has that attitude to, like, pull off the badassness that Sarah has. Okay. Like, she's not a damsel in distress. Gotcha. But I feel like she could also, like, work the vulnerability and, like, the emotional aspect. Okay. And just – I also like the idea I, – I believe Sarah's described as also being pale and, like, being white. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of kind of mixing that up, especially since she does have such a close bond to Simon who's mixed. Right. Okay. I like that. I'm here for it. I like kind of a left field person that you would never – I would never have guessed that you would have picked Zoe Kravitz. And she's freaking gorgeous. Oh, yeah. And she's a great actress. Yes. So she could definitely do it. Cool. Well, I love all of them. I think we did a fantastic job with our casting call. I think any of those people would be fantastic in the roles that we put them in. Yes. Agreed. And so um, one of our last segments that we're going to do is the so- a song choice. So after every episode, we're kind of going to choose a song that represents whatever we are love slash hating that day. So what is your song? So my song is just kind of – I feel like just goes with the overall vibe of the book. Okay. Just kind of. Oh, okay. I like that. So I chose two. (laughs) (laughs) Can never just be one. (laughs) I'm sorry. They're by the same artist. So I thought that I could get away with it. I mean, and more is more. More is better. (laughs) Two is better than one. Um, So I I lied. I chose three. More is definitely more. <laughs> so I chose one that was because this was a Lion King retelling. I chose a song from the Lion King that I thought would represent the whole book as a whole. And the song I chose was I Just Can't Wait to Be King. I would have picked Be Prepared. <laughs> so it was between, but I chose, I wanted to do like the ending of how the book ended and like with Simon coming back to be the ruler. But for my my other songs, I chose You Should See Me in a Crown by Billie Eilish and Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. Both good choices. Both good. I thought that they did the same thing where it's like, and you know, Billie has a darker vibe to her mm-hmm. music, especially this album, the What Do You Do When, You're, when You Go to Sleep album. Yeah, like Bad Guy and when you see it, like see me in a crown ugh. it i'm here for your choices it gives that dark sultry plus the like concept of both of those songs i just feel like aligned so well yes i love it i love all of it i loved every moment of this alex so then what would you give yes as an overall rating out of 10 to the book plot so overall, to, to like the yeah to the whole book. Overall, I would give. I'm pretty lenient when it comes to I like giving people higher scores versus lower scores, but I will say I think this is like a hard eight point seven to nine zero. Very well done. I'm a little bit more critical, and I still gave it an eight point seven five. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. You're going to be the more critical one. I feel like I am going to be the one that's going to be like, I just love everything about it. And then you're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the things that I have critiques about don't ruin it. So that's why right. it's still going to still ranks pretty high for me. Yeah. 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 I would say an eight point, you know, six to a nine. I really liked it. I thought it was very well done. Emily, her series is continuing. I think there's going to be a third one. I hope more because I love a good Disney villain turned hero, hero, anti-hero, but in a romance. Like I'm, I'm here for it. So overall, thank you, Emily. Yes, thank you, Emily. I will now be reading Hooked um, because I was very much persuaded to start with Scarred. Only because I wanted to talk about it first. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not mad at it. Yeah. And I will go back and read Hooked. Because um, these are standalones. Even though they are a series, they don't... They don't have any connecting qualities between yeah. them. So if you all want to start with book two... It's not a bad thing. It's not going to hurt you. You're not going to miss anything. You'll be able to follow along. Um, but what would uh, what would you rate the spice, the sexy times? Out of five? Out of five. Now, right, we have our little... Before we give our answers on the spice rating, um, give a little bit of a context of how we measure... How we spice, measure the spice. The spice scale. So it is going to be the traditional chili peppers like everybody else does. Obviously. It's just, a, it's a good emoji. Or if we want to stay in theme, we could do a lightning bolt <laughs> <laughs> to, the, to the book. Um, one chili pepper, a roma- uh, romance that has uh, fade to black scenes. So it's like you don't read about it. It's implied. It's implied but not discussed. Yes. Two, minimal sexy time. And you're not going to get the dirty talk in-depth dialogue. It's going to be more flowery. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit more PG. Yeah. A three. Um, you're going to have full-on sex scenes. Um, but it's going to be pretty vanilla sex with flowery language. And then the four tamales is going to be the more raunch, raunchy, sexy time with dirty talk and kinks found mm-hmm. throughout. And then that five chili pepper is going to be, I'm not here for the plot. I'm here for the smut. And I also I, like to think of five because there are some books I've read that I would give a five to that have plot, but the sex makes you think and question yourself. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. is this good? Do I want this? Did I learn something new about myself? Do I need to seek therapy? Right. I would give I would give this book a 4.5. I don't think that the smutty, sexy scenes were, like, super over the top. I've read crazier that definitely deserve a 5. Mm-hmm. But I definitely don't think it's just a 4. I think it's kind of in between. I gave it just a 4. Did you give it just a 4? <laughs> I gave it just a 4. Okay. Because there's nothing that happened that I wouldn't be okay with happening. Right. To me. Right. Fair enough. So you say four, I say 4.5. That's Well, y'all, 
that's another episode of Emotions and Potions, a love-hate letter to Scarred. Clearly, it was a love letter. Oh, full-on love. Love, love, love. L-O-V-E. Exclamation. We just couldn't stop talking about it. Yes. 10 out of 10 recommend. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please follow us on our social medias. You can find us on Instagram at Emotions and Potions. There's a bunch of links that'll take us to our Spotify accounts if you ever wanted to follow our playlists. Make sure you follow our podcast. We release episodes every Thursday. Let us know what you think. Have you read Scarred? What was your take? Do you have any other books you want us to read? Who are potential characters or people that you're imagining as characters? We want to know. All right, Alex. Well, this has been another fun episode. It has. Come back next Thursday. Yes. Where there will be a new episode. New episode. New emotions. New new potions. New potions. Can't wait for the potions. Is it going to be a love or hate letter? TBD. We'll see you. Yeah, and we'll see you then.